The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. to another episode of Biopsychosocial. I am Jordan, the world's okayest nurse. And I'm Kayla. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything funny. I wanted to say something funny and witty. You are funny and witty and clever. So we are not on Zencaster, so we're backwards right now, which is really trippy to all of us. Oh, um, yeah. I don't think there's a reason for us to be backwards, but here we are. But here we are. But um, we're together, and we're yes. recording video for our um, patrons, who, by the way, we forgot to say last time, are Alexis and Jill, so thank you. Thank you. For our $3 patrons. And um, your million dollars in our book, though. And audio for everybody else. Yeah. We love <laughs> you. We love you, too. Yes, you're all priceless to us. Um, so we, yes, Kayla um, does not have the vid, and I survived a run-in with Gorgonzola this morning. So it, it's a miracle that we're here and together, and I'm not gray anymore. Um, no shade to Gorgonzola lovers of the world, <laughs> but it, it, yeah. Um, so we're back with um, another episode that I stumbled upon this documentary when I had a long weekend called Three Identical Strangers, and it's available on Hulu. So if you have a subscription or if your bestie does, you know, it'll, it'll work out well for you. Um, and it came out in 2018, and it follows the story of David Kelman, Eddie Galland, and Robert Shafron. And it was a Channel 4 documentary. Channel 4. Channel 4. And I think it was on CNN, too. Oh, yeah, maybe. But it was, yeah, I recognize that. Channel 4, I watched that when I was over there. Mm -hmm. And um, the interviewer was British. 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 (laughs) Hello. Uh, So it also, so the story starts in 1980 at a community college in upstate New York. And Bobby drove up there in his car that he called the old bitch. Yeah, I like that. That's this very like seventies thing to do. It's like a piece of shit car essentially. Yes, which, you know, who did who didn't have one of those? We all did. We all did. Is that, there's a okay. I don't know if this is like too much identifying information. I don't think it is, but one of the students at the school I go to, now this is not a wealthy school, it's not in a wealthy area. She drives a fucking Mercedes to school. I'm like, either your parents are very wealthy or they're very stupid, or maybe both. I don't know. I had a Ford Taurus. I had, I had a, what the fuck was my first car? A Ford? No. I don't know, it was gray, I think. No, it was red. Oh, um, close. It was a 1997 <laughs> Ford Escort. Oh, I feel like everybody has a Ford for their first car. Yeah, because, well, they're shitty cars. <laughs> and, and also, the, the Taurus was like five cylinders, and this was gas was five bucks a gallon back in the uh, late two thousands. Mm-hmm. So um, we could go nowhere. Yep. Fast. Yes, we were hocking our we were hocking our DVDs at local music stores. The Walmart's at the one. 
You have to go at Walmart. Well, I remember one time I went in with Colleen and she was trying to hawk her DVDs and like they wouldn't take them for some reason. <laughs> so she was like leaving with them. And the guy at the door stopped her and accused her of stealing them. She she was, these are mine. <laughs> these are mine. These are mine. No, we used to go hawk at FYE. Yeah. I miss FYE. R.I.P. FYE. Um, so Strawberry. Oh, yeah. Strawberries first. And the gift cards were coins. The gift certificates were oh. coins. I remember that. Huh. Which was, which was really not... Uh, yeah, not very wise. Not very wise. Because you can't write the balance on it. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, there Robbie goes... In the total bitch with the total with the old bitch car and he gets to college by himself he just went completely by himself and random strangers were coming up to him and saying hey how are hey, you hey how was your summer uh, which i is, didn't know you were coming back which is like, so awkward because how many people have been in that situation you're like i don't know you and i don't know if i'm supposed to even if people, even if they don't know me and they're saying those things to me i'm like i don't want to talk to you I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, oh. That's why I like the masks. Yes. Yeah. And I wear glass and I'll wear glasses that I don't need just so nobody talks to me. So, and he's going, you know, so he's doing the, you know, finger, finger guns. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. Good to see you, pal. You know, so he's never been to the school before in his life. And then people start calling him Eddie. Well, and also what community college has dorms? I, I thought the same thing. Yeah, so he was moving into a dorm at a community college, which, okay, sure. Maybe um, in the 70s it was different. Maybe in the 70s it was different. And it was also like $15 to go to college back That's in the true. 70s. Um, so they could get, give you a nice dorm. So people are calling him Eddie, which he thinks is weird. And people are, you know, giving him hugs. And, and not only are they, like, being cordial to him, they're, like, psyched to see this guy. Kissing him on the cheek. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was fine with that. Yeah, yeah, he was like, hey, you know. So this Michael Dom, I don't know, I can't pronounce his name. This Michael person shows up because he was Eddie's best friend and knew that Eddie wasn't coming back to school because Eddie is another person. The plot thickens. So he walks into the dorm room and goes, holy shit, this guy looks like Eddie. Eddie and not like okay they look alike they pay passing resemblance to like, each other um, Katy Perry and Zoe Duchanel look yeah. alike and like 15 other women in Hollywood correct look exactly the same correct but they looked they looked identical you know it was some parent trap ass shit um but instead of irresponsible parenting other things were going on Michael goes you know holy shit you look just like my friend Eddie were you adopted and Bobby's like, yeah, actually, I was. When were you born? July 12th, 1961. And they were like, holy shit, you were adopted and you were born the same day and year as Eddie. Again, some parent, it was literally straight out of the parent trap. And we're both born on October 11th. <laughs> and then he, Bobby, right? This is Bobby. Bobby's like, he jumps. No, they go to the payphone first. Yeah, they get into the payphone. They jam themselves into the payphone, which I, have you ever had that experience? Because I yes. haven't. I've used a payphone before, but I've never like, used a payphone booth i think i have used a payphone booth and i think we went to disney world when i was a kid and my they my relatives wanted a picture of all my cousins and i in a pay payphone pay booth together. i used a phone i went in a phone booth in, in london because you have to yeah it was in fake london it was in fake oh, england uh -huh. at epcot but yeah so we, we took a picture all in the phone booth um but i have used a phone booth i know i hate it when people are like you're too young to remember payphones. I'm almost like, how old do you think I am? I know. 
I know. My dad, who had, like, a multi-state commute, had, like, a calling card, and he knew where all the pay phones were yeah. from state to state, so he would get a beep, his beeper, we would get paged, and he would have to get off the highway and go find a pay phone, and now you don't see them anywhere, and they're usually used as restrooms. If they're there at all. If they're there but at I all. remember we had one at our high school, and I used to call my mom. Like when it was yeah, we did to pick me up after school before I had a cell phone. Yeah, that's true. Because we did not. Yeah, because I think we were the last. Like yeah. I think our age group was the last group of people to like not have a cell phone at a young age. I think I was I was in high school when I got one myself. Yeah, yeah. I was a grandmother. You were sixteen. I was a grandmother. <laughs> so they go in the yeah. So they go in the telephone booth, and this Bob then Bobby calls. Well, they call Eddie. And can you imagine, like, like answering the phone and it's your voice? No. Well, I can't. Um, I talk to my mom all the time. We sound alike, but but have it like unexpectedly be be your voice. So they find out that they were both adopted out of the Louise Wise Adoption Agency, and then they were both adopted. And holy shit, they're identical. So they drive like hell to Eddie's house. I find that so funny. Like um, Bobby had just met this guy who was like, you look exactly like my best friend. Do you want to drive to go see him? And he was like, sure. (laughs) Imagine having that sort of confidence. I I would be like, no, you are going to kill me. Nope. You are low key going to kill me. Exactly. Yes. Oh, to be a man in this world. So Bobby and Eddie met and they're identical. And they did some weird, like, twin shtick where they were doing that mirror thing where one of them holds up a hand and moves it and the other one does the same thing. Which is also... The the friend was like, oh, it was incredible. I was like, it sounds like they were being stupid. Like, what do you do that... That was also a theater exercise that I'm sure you and I have done together. What do you do that when you're looking at... And I think I would do the same thing. It's like how you you would poke them or like... Like how I just look at that person and be like, Okay. I am good looking. Yeah. I would make some <laughs> stupid joke like that. Yeah. Boy, I'm pretty. Like, yeah. But I guess, like, like I think you would do something like that where you're like, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. And like I said, they and if you watch the documentary or find pictures, they look identical. They do look yeah. like, I, they do look identical. So, you know, the local tribune or local paper gets a hold of the story. Oh, my goodness. I think it's it's the New York Post. It was New York Post, that's right. Which is why it was just like the one that we watched last time where it was like the, which, the Daily News? Is that what it is in England? Now it's the New York Post, not reputable sources for news. Uh, Correct. (laughs) Fun to read. Yes, fun to read. Fun to read, but that's about it. Yeah, I can't remember the name either. And then the plot thickens, you know, the pa- there, this uh, lovely person named David Kelman was reading the paper and he went, holy shit. I like that they started it with, um, I, I, I don't know where in New York City that they're from, but David lives in New York City. And mm-hmm. so I just put that Ellen from Queens looks at the picture and is like, that's my friend David. Ellen from Queens. I don't know if that's Ellen where from she's Queens. from. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's David. And this kid go, you know. Uh, this kid David goes, Ma, what hospital was I adopted in? Ma, who adopted me? They were both. That's also the conversation had when I start dating a guy and I'm like, Where were you born? What time were you born? What time were you <laughs> So if you you date wow. if you dating a girl and she starts asking you what time you were born, you're in for some shit. She's trying to find out your um She's gonna do your chart. You're trying no, I don't know what that's called. Your big three. That's what it is. Big three. Your sun, is- your moon, and your rising. Yep. 
any of the Suzette fans out there, big three. Anyway, so lo and behold, they were all born in Long Island Jewish Hospital. Long Island. Bobby, who was from a wealthy family, who had a shitty car, even though he was from a wealthy family. And I do love that. Yeah, which David was busting his ass about. And he goes, oh, oh, affluent doctor. Yeah, oh. He had the shittiest car ever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Eddie was born into a middle-class family. His dad was a teacher. And David was born into a working-class family. Mm-hmm. So David called information, got Bobby's number. Mm-hmm. And which you could do back then. Which you could do back then. And Bobby's phone and Bobby's mother answered their phone and went, oh my God, there's another one. <laughs> because the parents, it's not like the parent trap, which was basically just irresponsible parenting. Yes. It wasn't like the parent trap where they're like, oh, oops, well, yeah, we kept the kids separated. I guess they know now. The parents did not know either. No, they had no idea. Yep. They adopted, each family adopted their one. son without any information about well, if, I, I don't think they had a lot of information about the biological No, parents. I don't think much of anything. Which isn't uncommon. No, which isn't uncommon. But they also didn't know they were triplets. And and David's dad, who we'll get into, said it was like, we would have taken all three. Yeah. Are you kidding me? The work, I love that the working class was like, was like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? Yeah, of course we, we would have kept. Yeah. And now I think in the foster and adoption world there's really much more of an effort to keep siblings together absolutely yeah um some like if somebody's adopted a child and the birth mother has another child they do contact i've heard of them contacting the family that has adopted the sibling and said you know hey would you like to adopt yeah i mean in general they try to keep the kids with family and if they can't they're put into foster care and yeah they try to keep them with siblings or as close as they possibly can yeah, try to keep the siblings. It's not together. a perfect system, still. No, but. no, 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 not at all. And I, I think a lot of people in it are doing the very best that they can. I follow a foster parent on TikTok, and she's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so they all meet mm-hmm. the three of them, and they're nineteen-year-old boys. So they end up wrestling with each other on the floor, which is of course. I can't. What else is like? What else are you going to do? Like again, I would just I would look at the second one and be like, huh? Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go. And I would be like, let's have, and then one of them would be like, margaritas? And I'd be like, yes! Yeah! How'd you know? We finished each other's sandwiches. So they, you know, they felt like they knew each other. Actually, the wrestling thing is probably, like, they probably wanted that, like, closeness. Because you yeah. know twins, like, link onto each other because you're grown together. So that probably feels really natural. Right. You're grown together, Jordan. So it's like, it's in a garden, and then you're plucked from the earth. <laughs> They kind of went viral in the eighties. Yes. As as you would say. So they did so they, they went, went on, they did the talk show circuit. They went on Phil Donahue. Yeah. Bless them. They were trying to find out all the things they have in common. They were all wrestlers, which if you look at them, none of them have necks. Yeah, they're all built like they're wrestlers. all like they're all they all look like upside down triangles. Yes. So of course they all became wrestlers. It's like, oh you're tall, here's a basketball. Um, oh, you're dramatic and have undiagnosed anxiety and depression. Theater. Cut 15 years later. You're going to have a podcast with your best friend. Yep. Um, they all smoke Mar Reds. And yep. it's not a popular cigarette brand or anything. And people are like, oh, oh, they all smoke the same cigarettes. Oh, my God. They all like Chinese food. Well, are we twins? <laughs> How many of you listening are our twins just based on? Well, I don't smoke, so. I don't smoke either. Occasionally. But just because you like Chinese food. Just and they like older women. 
Okay. Good for them. Good for them. And they like the same color because every guy on the planet, they're, they're like red. That's That's every man's favorite color is red. Or blue. Or blue or green. Red, blue, or green. These That's are your, these are your choices. So they had a 33% chance of liking all the same colors. So there they were. And they all had an adopted older sister. Mm-hmm. Which well, they were the same age. Yeah, 21. 21. Yeah, so two years, two years older. And it's like, it's interesting because you're like, okay, so they were all born in this. Obviously, they're all the same age. They were lived in the same area of the world, even though they came from different socioeconomic standings. They're going to have the same interests. Yeah. Like the same, you know, it's like the same movies are. Because yeah, they were you, ju- they were placed in families like in different areas of New York State. Yeah. So they were in the same. The one was in the city. Yeah. I think. I don't remember. Schenectady. Or Schenectady. Schenectady. Yeah, because I, I was going to say that. <laughs> I don't know where the other one was from, though. I can't. Like the burbs, I think. Or did he say on Long Island, maybe? I think they might have. Long Island, yeah. They were all in, like, the outer borough. There's a bridge and a tunnel around where everybody lived. <laughs> yep. And they connected instantly and said that they, you know, had a bond instantly, which makes which makes sense. Yeah. The father, David's father. I just wrote, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's Caleb's and my nickname for each other. Love has, and I love how she described it. It just means, like, love. It means, I don't know. Oh, she said love and caring and yes. hugs and so that's what you call your grandma or grandpa bubby bubby or bubba like lovey so that was um whose dad was that david david the one dad. that said that they would have taken all three yes bubba that's what i said i wrote that um trip because the uh, louise wise adoption services said that triplets would be too hard to place yeah. and bubba blew a gasket over that yeah he's like are you kidding me i would have taken all yeah and he was sweet. He's like, I have three more sons now. And yeah. Yeah. So he was the, he was definitely like the most active in their lives. And the, yeah, the parents did not know that they were triplets. Because I think any of them would have said the same thing. They would have said, I can't adopt. If they, if they couldn't take all three, they probably would have said, you know, maybe place them at a home that had. Or, yeah. you know, let us know where they are placed and they can at least see each other on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. That's a good point, too. They were separated at six months old, which you have some sort of facial recognition at six months old. You know the people around you, and I feel like you would know. Um, I mean, you you wouldn't hold on to any memories, I think, Mm-mm. from that early in life. But yeah, I mean, you you do you start no. bonding. Yeah, you do. You start bonding. Around. So if they were around each other, so they uh, Bobby's father, they all went to the agency and were like, "What the fuck." Like I said, Bubba blew a gasket. Bubba blew a gasket. And Bobby's father blew a gasket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Eddie's father was a little more, you know, was a little little more reserved. So he emotionally blew a gasket internally. And kept it to himself. He kept it to himself. That's not healthy. Um, So the agency, like, kind of fed him, you know, blew some smoke up their asses. And then they left. And then then Bobby's father forgot his umbrella and caught them popping champagne. Like, oh, we evaded getting caught. Ensued. Which what? I, I found it kind of weird that they brought champagne specifically for that. Like, if we fool them, we're going <laughs> to pop this bottle of champagne. And if we didn't fool them, we don't get the champagne. <laughs> we don't we'll have to return it because it was $80. <laughs> we're going to eat smoked mackerel as punishment. If not, I don't know. Um, <laughs> or, it was a, or maybe they just always had alcohol in the office. It was still the 80s. That's true. It's probably blow, too. Um, speaking of the triplets hit the party circuit in New York city together, as you do, 
because they were sort of like, you know how Lizzie Borden, after she murdered her parents, went on the like flapper party circuit? Or yeah, the, I think or, I heard that. Yeah. I thought she went traveling or something. I mean, both. The, the two go hand in hand. Um, they got themselves an apartment in New York City together mm-hmm. with one bed, which, all right. Oh, I don't remember that part. They were all sleeping <laughs> in one bed. I don't know if they just did that for a photo. Seems like um, a bed would be too small for three of them. They're a pretty beefy guy. <laughs> it was probably California King. Um, so they part. Yeah, so they were partying a lot. Uh, they got to have a walk-on role in one of Madonna's, you know, blockbuster hit movies. They're having a good time. Yeah. Enjoying oh, their 15 in, minutes. One impersonated the other when he needed to get a yes. Olympics. Yes. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, one of them didn't have medical insurance, so he David. posed as a, another one so that he get his um, surgery covered. Which is really not, which is really, it's like funny, but it's not the American healthcare system. Right. Yes. Yeah, so Eddie was super outgoing. David was kind of in the middle, and Bobby was the more, like, reserved, quiet one. Which I guess in every sort of, like, friend group, there's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. It balance out. Yeah, you have to balance each other out. When I go, when I hang out with Victoria, she's the one that, so she's like my um, my social anxiety support friend. So like if if we're at the restaurant and they get the order wrong, I'll be like, they got my order wrong, but it's okay. I'm okay. And she'll be like, excuse, excuse me, me, waiter. <laughs> I have a problem and you're going to fix it. <laughs> but she's very nice and professional about it. But still, yes. I wouldn't say anything, but she would. And when you go out with me, it's like going out with a foreign exchange student. <laughs> To Earth. <laughs> this is my first time here. Oh, this restaurant, no, on this planet. Basically, I'm like, oh my goodness, when did they? The, I went in the bathroom and I put my hand out and it blew air at me and dried my hair. What did you say when we went to the beach last year? You were freaking out about a whole bunch of things. You're like, it, the beach has sand. Did you know Look that? Look at this. How nice is that? <laughs> It's like half like middle-aged woman <laughs> that reads all the billboards and the other half I'm not from this planet. I'm not from around here. <laughs> no, what was I freaking? Oh gosh. I, like the list is too long of like the things I was freaking out about. Oh, I think like, the little hand soaps in the bathroom really got me. Um the compl- yeah, the complimentary creamers. Oh yeah, there was a lot of things happening in the cabin room. It wasn't really a hotel room. It was like Yeah, a we had cabin. a little cabin. Yeah. Oh, the, tr- the tire swing. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Look at the tire swing. <laughs> you went on it. I think I didn't, right? I went on it like 10 times. Are you kidding me? The kids had to wait. Anyway, they, of course, met their birth mother at a bar. As you do. I feel like that's a good spot. That's like- where I meet my birth mother sometimes. <laughs> I got my... Actually, the- right before the shutdown, was I met my mother at a bar on like a random Wednesday. She was having lunch at a... Um, well, like an early dinner. I had just gotten out of work and Winter. she's like, do you want to, she goes, I'm at such and such. It was a pub, you know, it wasn't like a seedy place. She goes, do you want to meet me for a drink? And I said, yeah, sure. So I swung by and had a drink with her and went home. And that was like the last time I would have seen her for like months mm-hmm. because it was like this time last year it was right before the shutdown. Right. So sometimes it's good to meet your birth mother at a bar. So I guess she was, um, so I don't, I guess, I don't guess. I know she was a teen mom, prom night baby. And holy shit, triplets. And um, she had a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. So she was keeping up with her. Like, she was keeping up with us and we were, like, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Which she should never drink like a 20-year-old boy. Yeah. Or girl. So, ETOH, so some ETOH, I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of trauma involved when you have to place for adoption and 
triplets and you don't know what happened to them. It's, I'm sure, very, very, very traumatic. Um, again, still an imperfect system, but I think it is at least talked about a little bit more now. Yeah. Yeah. So then it was just like, you're pregnant, you're not pregnant, don't say anything. Right. Move on with your life. Don't make other people uncomfortable. No, make people uncomfortable, please. Um, so they kind of just met her once and that was it. They didn't sustain a relationship with her because they have support. They had supportive good families and they have each other now. So they opened up a restaurant called Triplets, as you do. Yeah. Yes. That, I think I said the same thing. Oh, I said they opened a restaurant called Triplets, of course. Of course. You've got to. Didn't they? Um, they talked a little bit about um, the individuals that came to do interviews and stuff with them when they were growing up. Oh, yeah. They, right. they, this is where they kind of started talking about this. I don't know. I might have skipped some. Did I yeah, something? well, they they brought up briefly. There was another set of twins that found each other, too. Yes. Two so, women. So they, you know, and it was the same thing. Same mannerisms, same. I mean, they, they look, they're identical. They're identical. They, they do look yeah. exactly alike. They do look exactly alike. So that means the egg split. They, yeah, they didn't mention if. Oh, we'll get into that. We haven't talked mm-hmm. about that yet. Never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's when we start to kind of find out what happened. So they found an article about, a, article about a secret study on separated identical babies in New York City headed by Peter Neubauer. Uh, the name sounded familiar, but I... I mm, it did sound familiar to me, too. I don't think I have heard of his work, I guess. No, that's probably a good thing. He was the director of the... The Floyd archives. Oh, that was my terrible attempt at an Austrian Freud. accent. <laughs> Freud. Yeah, and he was very Freud-esque. I wrote that in there, well, too. Well, he, he was Austrian, too. Oh, yes. He was an Austrian refugee from the, Hol- the Holocaust. So we did experiments on people afterward? Mm, I don't like it. Who I did like was Natasha. Which one was Natasha? The research <laughs> assistant? Oh, my God, I loved her. I loved her. Who yeah, knows? so Dr. Peter Neubauer is dead. Um, as are all of the other individuals involved here in this. Did we call it an experiment yet? Research? Research experiment. Yeah. It's it's an experiment. Yeah. So all of the individuals that like wrote up the experiment and got funding and stuff like that for it and performed, you know, the experiments are dead. So we can't get any answers from them. So they talked to the research assistants and research assistants in this sort of research are the people who like gather data, type up the data, maybe do calculations, get the coffee. Yeah. They don't really. Yeah. They're like the teaching assistants. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And yeah. That, that could be what you do. The as students. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. Your doctorate. Yeah. But Natasha's had herself a life. Yeah. She was like, here's a picture of me and Michelle Obama. She's very tall. <laughs> and I met Barack Obama. He kissed me on this cheek. Yes. She never watched that cheek again. That would be my opener if I met people. And here's so-and-so with my book, which I love the flex. Yes. Yes. I loved her house the way it was decorated. It was very colorful and artsy and stuff like that. Me too. But she like didn't she said that um Dr. Newbarrow was sexy. Yeah, I was like. She has questionable taste. She does have questionable taste. A lot, of, a lot of beautiful women do. You know, but she's, yeah. The study that they yeah. created was never published. Correct. And it also, they don't have any data on the sample size, but it, it sounded like, I didn't catch the name of the guy who did research on twins, like not this kind of research, but was trying to follow up on it. Uh, he, he Dr. Said, Perlman? No, no, that was another research assistant. He said, um, to my knowledge, it, it was a small sample size, like maybe eight pairs 
of twins. Yeah, because you're not in the area in the time that they were collecting the data. What are the odds in that area of the world at that adoption agency? Right, it exactly. was identical, so it wasn't huge, but it was still too freaking many. They shouldn't have done this. So the purpose of the study uh, was to investigate nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. which we discussed this on our last episode, which is why I, when I was watching it, it kind of yeah. hit up. A, it kind of was like Pavlov, it rang a bell for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, we were just talking about this. This would be a good one. And their families, their extended families were devastated too. They were like, you know, why are you one of the, David's aunt, not David's aunt, Bobby's aunt said, when you play with humans, you're doing something wrong. Right. And she's yeah. a survivor of the Holocaust as yes. well. Yes. Which, um, Holocaust experiments were done on humans and also in specifically twins as well, too. So, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about unethical psychological and medical studies Uh and the creation of IRBs. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to talk about informed consent. Yeah. I mean, that, that all rolls into the same. So way back in this point of time when, and somebody mentioned it in the documentary, psychology was just becoming this like big new and exciting thing. Mm -hmm. So rather than like throwing people in a prison or an insane asylum when they were mentally ill, people were actually treating them and learning how to treat them and learning a lot of things about what's that face you're making? Oh, oh, <laughs> what do you mean? That people with mental illness are people too? Yeah. Oh my god. What a concept. And this is when like the first medications were yeah. developed and things like that. So a lot of, however, unethical experiments occurred in this time period, probably up until I don't know if it's maybe the 80s. I was going to say the 80s. One of them, many of you may be familiar with, the Stanley Milgram experiment, where... Yeah. The experiment needs to continue. He had... The test subjects were individuals that were asked to give an electric shock to someone who was asked to repeat a sequence of words that they were given. Mm -hmm. So as soon as they got the sequence wrong, they were to be shocked. And every time they were shocked, the, the shock would go higher and higher and higher now of course there was no shock no but the individual would start saying things like please i have a heart condition Ah! they would scream they would Mm -hmm. say i'm not doing well and some people would stand up against the the researcher and say like i'm not continuing this you can go fuck yourself and other people would say we have to finish this and part of it was they wanted to know what made people compliant like during the holocaust like what made people say witness these atrocities and say well i have to do this or maybe I want to do this, but not ethical because there was no, like you said, informed no consent. Informed so consent. nobody who was sitting down knew that the person behind the screen was an actor. And that's very disturbing. Yeah, it's it caused psychological distress because you thought you were actually hurting somebody even right. though that you were not. There's also the um, Stanford Prison Experiment mm-hmm. where this group of people was divided up in be- into prison guards and inmates um, and they weren't, this wasn't a real prison, mm-hmm. but they kind of played it out and as if it were real. And the prison guards started abusing the inmates and treating them really poorly. And it, mm-hmm. it, it was, it's interesting in what we found, but certainly not ethical because no, not again, ethical there was no informed consent. They didn't know while they were sitting down what they were agreeing to, mm-hmm. did the extent of it, what would it was for anything like that. So they couldn't say like, oh yeah, I understand why I'm going to be a part of this and the risks that I might be taking being a part of this. Right. There was also the most famous one is probably Tuskegee's. Yep. I was about to say that. And I said, from a medical standpoint, Tuskegee's where African-American men were given syphilis and not treated for it. 
They were also, I don't think they were told exactly what syphilis no. was. So they ended up passing it on to their partners and sometimes their children. Yep. And syphilis is um, usually a sexually, um, sexually transmitted infection. And it is indeed very treatable uh, with antibiotics. However, if it's left untreated, it can be fatal, have neurological consequences, be a really bad thing. And the ripple effect of uh, the Tuskegee's experiments uh, is African-American community not trusting the healthcare system, which who who wouldn't? Right. In as far as experiment, you know, ethics in research and experiments, you cannot knowingly do harm to somebody. Yeah. You cannot withhold, you can't withhold treatment. And what I, in what I do for work, there's a lot of research involved and people are, you know, people say, are you not going to treat my illness? You can't do that. You can't, you can right. give treatment versus another treatment. Also, um, when, Back in the 80s, you know, uh, when AZT was being developed, they found very quickly that AZT was working well in the experiment. So they stopped the trial and gave everybody AZT because it was working well and people were dying at rampant rates from HIV, um, HIV and AIDS. So there's a lot of ethics to do with research and they're held to a really high standard now. But in this time, especially in the world of psychology, it wasn't happening. No, and uh, there was no gatekeeping at all. And I want to add to that, too, that um, a lot of what we know about gynecology was learned from enslaved African women mm -hmm. who had things done to them against their will because it was thought that they had a higher pain tolerance than white women, which is like, what do you, where does that even come from? That makes no sense. No, it does not at all. But we know that now. So, you know, unethical and another reason African-American Black people don't trust Largely, I don't want to make a blanket statement, of no. course, but healthcare and research and things like right. that, new treatments and stuff. Which so at, at some point in the in time, in what's called institutional review boards were created, and those are the gatekeepers when it comes to research. So, and I took both in undergrad and in grad school did research methods classes, but in okay. under undergrad, I had to design an experiment and perform the experiment, and it was still, it was just like a survey. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. But you have to write up a whole proposal, yeah. even if you're just a student and it's not like a serious thing. Um, you have to write up a whole proposal and it has to pass the IRB. And in order to do that, it's got to talk about the risks. The people have to be informed of the risks. You have mm -hmm. to have informed consent that they can sign off on. There are, if you're working with a protected population that is like especially children reviewed so like children inmates pregnant women um people with developmental disabilities they're all considered special populations so you can't just like walk into a prison and do experiments on inmates because that's not fair no it's not and not ethical anywhere. yeah can't go anywhere so yeah you have to write up a proposal and they can either it's just this board of other people who are either in your field or in similar fields and they'll say like yes this is fine or mm -hmm. like no this would violate ethics or whatever right. so we have a, a pretty good grip on that now mm -hmm. not to say that everything that happens is ethical because i mean the government does experiments that we don't even know about that probably aren't ethical i mean there was mk ultra where they studied mind control by giving people drugs and stuff like that and a million other things. Operation Paperclip, where they told doctor Nazi doctors that they would be pardoned if they would share their research. I mean, <laughs> that's the government. So, yeah. but for the most part, I mean, we've really shifted the way yeah. that we've we experiment on people, and this certainly wouldn't pass. No, no, and the big uh, so the red flags are it was babies, 
Yes. Can't speak for themselves. And the purpose of the study was not disclosed. Right. There was no informed consent. And the only time that you can not give informed consent up front is when it would impact the data. And you have to give that information before the subject leaves. Mm -hmm. So if I had to pull a fast one on you as part of the experiment, as I I have to debrief you after and be like, okay, this is just an experiment. It's such and such is what we're studying, blah, blah, blah. And you have to be like, oh, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Did not happen. No, no, did not happen. So they didn't find out till 20 something years later that they were even part of an experiment. Yes. Um, and not by the people who were doing the research because no, they were dead. They were dead. No, they had to figure it out for themselves and all the records were sealed. Yeah. Oh, lips are sealed. They're sealed at Yale University. I was like, are we going to do a B&E to get this research for this people? No, they, it's released. They released it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the basement at Yale has heads in a jar and stuff or hands in a jar or yeah. something crazy like they that. They also have the Vanyak manuscript. Yeah. At the Peabody Museum. Peabody. The Vanyak manuscript is like a mysterious book that they think could be alien language because it's all plants that we've never seen in a language that doesn't exist. And it's like, I think someone was just high and they made this. What if, what if we take me there and I can read it? <laughs> That's the planet I'm from. <laughs> That's the planet. It's that one. I'm like, oh, I dropped my book. <laughs> it's just a shopping list, guys. I field guide. It's just my shopping list, guys. Yes. Go to Statue of Liberty. I really think it was just like someone was on um, LSD or something. And they made it, it very well could have been. Uh, so, oh, bub- and so now we're at the part of the story where Bubbala dies. Yeah. And everything dies. just goes downhill from there. Bubbala was the glue. Bubbala was the glue. Bubba always is. Um, the restaurant came unfurled. Bobby was like, I don't want to be in a restaurant. Anybody who's been in a restaurant with their, owned a restaurant with their family, it's not good. Yeah, you don't do business with your family or your close friends. No. It's like, don't do a podcast with your best friend. (laughs) She's writing help on the paper. Very funny, very funny. (laughs) I love prop comedy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, don't, especially restaurant work is stressful on a good day. Yeah. So anybody who's worked in a restaurant, love you. Um, it's com- yeah, it's complicated. So this went it went downhill. And Eddie was really affected by that. Them being connected was really the most meaningful to him. Like he like had that familial. Oh, they're all cancers. So they all yes. yeah, so they have Cancer a lot of heart. Men. Yeah, they have a lot of hearth at home. Yeah, they're very family oriented. Family oriented. Eddie the most so because Cancer men are kind of trash, but I'll give these guys a pass. My husband's a cancer man. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, honey. We love you. Well, the cancer men I've dated have been especially trash. So. My can- we'll give the other ones a pass. Yes, my cancer husband's a good cancer husband. Could be that they were just shitty people. It no, could be. Yes. Yeah. Any any zodiac sign could go to can go awry. I mean, that's not it's not real. Well, it's just fun. But anyway, so Hearth and yeah, so Eddie the most was Hearth and Homiest because I, and he also kind of had the coldest family too. So he kind of Yeah, dad to was that. very authoritarian. Yeah. Is the bad one. Authoritative is the good one. Yeah, authoritarian, militaristic, ex-military teacher. Very strict. Yeah. Yes. Didn't like in the end, he did not seem like a bad dude. He no. kind of seemed like one of those uh, you know, boomers that mellowed in their older years. 
Was he a boomer or was he greatest generation? Greatest generation. They were boomers. I keep forgetting that this was yeah. years ago. Um, the triplets were boomers. Yeah. So he's like that greatest generation who were very, very, very stoic. Yeah. And then, and this is interesting when men like kind of hit a certain age. I just know this from my patient population, way more emotional and emotive yeah. and sensitive. Well, cause you're kind That's of a look- normal part of development. Actually. Yeah. You're looking back at instead of, yeah. So he was much, he was very gentle. He was very soft spoken. I'm not saying he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't, screw up as a parent sure. which every parent dies you know besides at some point or another at some point or another because we're all just doing the best that we can nobody's perfect this really affected eddie and eddie was diagnosed with bipolar yeah he started to exhibit some really b- bizarre behaviors very high highs and low lows uh-huh. calling people in the middle of the night that he hadn't talked to in years mm-hmm. i wrote that that's a big red flag calling mm-hmm. people from your past um but could also be mercury retrograde no okay enough enough of that. <laughs> he was he was bipolar <laughs> he was bipolar and going through a depressive episode yes. so he ended up in a psychiatric care facility which we find out that all of the boys were in psychiatric under psychiatric care of their teens right which is as we have gone over when a lot of mental mental illnesses come out in your teens yeah especially your late teens early yep. 20s first depressive episode first manic episode a lot of schizophrenia starts to pop up mm-hmm. earlier for men than women, but still around that period of time. Personality disorders in your early 20s, late mm-hmm. teens, early 20s. So they all have, and mom and birth mom, ETOHR, which is higher amongst people with mental illness, mm-hmm. as it's a maladaptive coping mechanism. So there's definitely, so definitely a, uh, a predisposition to mental illness, as we do know it is genetic. We also oh, and birth mother. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. You're going to say the same thing, probably. No, I don't think so. Um, birth mother also schizophrenia. Was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Oh, because I thought. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Their mother yeah. had schizophrenia, yeah. and Elise and her twin, who are the the other two women who discovered that they were twins later in life because of the experiment, they both found out that their mother suffered with depression. I thought, were, I thought she had schizophrenia because they said that she like, she was very, it, yeah, they did because they said she was very intelligent. Mm-hmm. However, she, and she went to like this prestigious university, but had to drop out because she was starting to have these episodes and she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yeah. That's usually, yeah probably. And that's genetic. Yep. So it would have been a good for them to know that. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that for us. Um, so Eddie was hospitalized for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then was brought home, and um, unfortunately, when Eddie was discharged home, he completed um, he completed suicide. He took his life. Yes, yeah, his life. Um, and everybody everybody was devastated. Um, Bobby verbalized some survivor's guilt. Yeah, why why Eddie and not me? Yep. Which why any of you? Why, right. Why anybody? Eddie? No. Why anybody? And his father, uh, Eddie's father, was devastated. Just sobbed. Like, yeah, he said him and his wife just stood there and sobbed. Yeah, they had some discussion about the way that Elliot, I think his name was, and yeah. his dad uh, raised him and how like stoic and strict he was. And so Eddie didn't really have a great relationship with him and didn't tell him a lot of things. Even Elliot himself was like, "We didn't talk about things like that yeah. in this family. We just carried on." Yeah. Um, not healthy, by the way. No, it's not. Um, no, not healthy. But, and he, he said that, you know, he had told his wife, mm-hmm. Eddie is dead. Yep. Eddie died by suicide, yep. took his own life and they cried for a while. And yeah. he said, and that was it. But as he's being interviewed, you can tell 
he's he's been holding on to this for a very long time because he he says, is there something I didn't teach him about life? Is there something I should have told him? And he's crying, he's tearing up as he's talking about it. In the wall, they showed the house and there's just picture upon picture upon picture of him. Yeah. And it's Glennon Doyle, who is, you know, the prophet of our time, uh, has his quote said, you know, I've never met a parent that didn't love their child. Yeah. But there's barriers to that love. Yeah. That love doesn't always flow freely and we don't get loved the way that we need to get loved by our parents sometimes yeah, or people in our lives. So definitely, yes, parents loved him. Absolutely. But from one reason or another, that love was impeded and it didn't get to any of the way that it needed to, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate. And also, do we think the stress and the trauma of finding out that you're a triplet, you know, twenty years into your life contributed yeah. to I mean, there's episode? genetics there and there's yeah. that, that stress for sure. Yeah, the trauma of it all. I think somebody in the documentary mentioned, brought up a good point that they didn't grow up alongside each other. So they were learning how to interact with each other and deal yeah. with each other as adults where you're already set yeah. in your ways. So, yeah. And they were kind of, they were falling in love with each other too. Yeah. Which I love, I I love when that's discussed, like not in a romantic love kind of way. Yes. Because you do, you fall in love with, you fall in love with your friends. You fall in love with yourself. You fall in love with your pets. You fall in love with your family. Fall, you, you fall in love. So they were going through all those motions. You're like, oh my God, you like pizza, me too. Yes. But then the honeymoon phase kind of yes. ended. And then you kind of see people for their warts and their warts and all. And they yes. didn't have the benefit of developing together. Mm-hmm. So, and you can see, you know, in Eddie, not um, Eddie had unfortunately died, but you can see Bobby and David in interviews together. And they have a kind, they have like a, a sweet relationship and they have like yeah. a brotherly you can see the love between them. They sit down them. together and I think David's like, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, they have a sweet brotherly relationship, yeah, but, you know, relationships ebb and, f- and ebb and flow. Exactly. Yeah. They have like a comfort with each other now, which is really lovely to see. Um, so Neubauer died in 2008. Research is sealed at Yale. They find out that the sponsors of the study were private family funds and money from Washington, which was very big. Oh, the... What was the institution called? The Jewish Board of Family and Children's Services was yes. one of the um, sponsors of this research. Mm-hmm. And I think they oversaw the Louise Wise Adoption Agency, yes. right? So, yes. And nobody, they were sealed until 2066. Mm-hmm. So, where everyone in the study basically would be dead. Yeah. Because we'd be in our 70s. Yes. We're going to one day remember that time. We should see if we could get that data. And you're going to be like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, so Neumauer had ended it allegedly because it became too expensive. Really? And we see um, David calling the, what did I call it again? The Jewish Board of Family and Children's yeah. Services. And I said, David needed to bring the care and energy in that call. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you don't ask, you demand. Like, yeah. I was a part of this research, you need to provide it to me. Yeah, this is me. He was, yeah. he was very nice, though. He's, He's very, very nice. He's very sweet. <laughs> Buffalo Jr. there. Um, and then they showed Dr. Perlman, who I did not like as much as Natasha, the other research assistant that did say it was unethical. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But he's like was a little milquetoast about it. Like you could tell he still got some loyalties. Yeah. It's like the cops that cover up for the bad cops, you know. So, I mean, he's kind of correct in like, how, what could you do as a research assistant when you don't really have much true. authority? Right. He could even say, like, I don't want to be a part of this. This is not ethical. And they would probably still do it. They would still Especially do it if they... So what happens when you are funded, when research is funded, is that nothing's free. So 
you know, your university or this private fund will give you the money to do it, but mm-hmm. in return, they want data. Right. So if they're giving you the money and they don't get their data, then they're going to want their money back. Yeah. And he was only in the study for 10 months. He was only working as a research assistant mm-hmm. for 10 months. And he said it was a huge loss. that The study wasn't published, which I disagree. Mm. I got to say, so, and of course, uh, David and Bobby saw that footage and they found it very upsetting as, as I think they would. Yeah. The experiment was kind of, the experiment wasn't a good idea. Well, it wasn't a good idea because it was grossly unethical. It was also shitty. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't really generalize the data that you find from eight pairs of twins. That's 16 people. It's 16 people. And also the whole nature versus nurture debate, which is flawed, which is flawed. You're only taking out one, you're only changing one factor of nurture. Because nurture is all around us. We are nurtured by our environments. We are nurtured by society. We're nurtured by, you know, our teacher. We're nurtured by so many facets. So the fact that everybody grows up in different households, it's just one. Right, one aspect. It's one aspect of it. And then, yeah, they grew up in the same culture. They grew up yeah. in Jewish families. Yeah, they grew up the same religion in Jewish, yeah, in Jewish families. In, in New the, York. In the same area of the right. world. They're the exact same age. Um, yeah, they lived through the exact same world events. Yeah. Because we can't see the research, we don't know what the hypothesis was. So mm-hmm. we don't really know why they did this to begin right. with. But I think the guess was that they were trying to, they were taking children of mentally ill in mothers mm-hmm. and placing them, splitting them up to see if that would have an impact on the development of mental illness. Like right. they're right they're the nurture part right. of it would have a, make a difference. And it didn't because well, they all struggled. Even the two women that were interviewed struggled with de- both of them right. struggled with depression. And you introduced another level of trauma into right. that by, by separating them and by separating them from their family. However, we didn't really recognize um, PTSD as a diagnosis until after the Vietnam war. So mm-hmm. not that, I mean, we had names for it. Shell shock is another name for PTSD. Yep. But I don't know that they realized the gravity of things like that. Like, I don't think yeah. trauma was in the forefront as mm-hmm. it is now for people. Right. Which is why Not it makes, that excuses them. No, which is, which is why trauma makes people so uncomfortable. Discussing trauma makes people so uncomfortable. Like, this has been going on for years. And I'm like, yes, and you're all maladapted. Yes. Yes. And it shows. Yeah. So they all grew up with different families, different parenting styles. Bobby's father, you know, wasn't around that much. Damn point. it, Bobby. Yep. And David had Bubba Love, of course. Um, Bobby kind of reminded me of my Uncle Pete. I like, yeah, I liked them all. I thought they were all lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and they realized that they were looking for similarities because they wanted to be alike. Because, mm-hmm. of course, you do you want that connection. Yeah. You do want that connection. You want to be connected and you want to have that that bond because you went without it for so long and then lo and behold you have a strange you have two strangers that look just like you so then at the end of it we find out that they were provided bobby and david were provided with the research the data Mm -hmm. um unsealed from yale however it was heavily redacted to protect the identities of the other individuals which also adds to the there's the fact that there are more sets of twins that don't know they have a twin and i think who was the lady that the research assistant lady? Natasha. Natasha. She, I thought her name was Joanna for some reason. She, <laughs> she, um, she made a very good point that like, if you 
reunites them and then they find out they were separated because of this experiment that's traumatic Mm -hmm. but then if you never tell them that they're missing out on this relationship with their sibling that's also kind of shitty so like what are you supposed to do what's the better choice not have shitty experiments but yeah to begin with yeah yeah not introduce trauma into people's lives if you didn't have to not joanna natasha and michelle obama would agree on that yeah they take the same stance yes they're like that's ridiculous yeah, and it's for like, and it's like, it's so sad because it's like, for what? It was like a shitty bullshit experiment yeah. that didn't need to happen and it ruined a to ton be, of lives. Yeah, to be fair, there were a lot of really dumb experiments done at that time. I mean, yeah, on humans, on animals, like, just a bunch of stupid shit. Like, we didn't what? need to know this. Right. We yeah. could, probably could have figured it out eventually. Yeah, we could have figured we it could, out. We yeah. could go into the metaverse now and <laughs> practice on virtual people. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a foregone conclusion that siblings that are raised in different aspects will have similar things about them and different things about them. Shocking. I mean, you look at siblings from the same family Uh who go through a traumatic or difficult experience, and some of them are fine, and some of them end up being total fucking assholes, like my two uncles. I said what I said. Yeah, it's everybody. it's It's not nature versus nurture. It's nature and nurture. You're born a person and how you, yeah, you were born with a sense of Jordan. She was born an alien. (laughs) You're born. And then life happens to you and that changes you. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? And then you, uh, it's job security for me. (laughs) And me. Yeah. So, but it's unfortunate. And what happened to Eddie was terrible and i'm devastated for his family i know he had a child and Mm -hmm. a very very sweet wife who's also in the documentary so i'm so sorry they missed out on him and his brothers too and they missed out on a childhood together imagine they probably would have had so much freaking fun as kids together they probably would have done as kids what they did when they met when they were like 20 it's true because that's kind of seems like what they they did bobby were you going to take the test for me i don't know the answers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they would have had a ball you can me <laughs> it would have been yeah and then bubble yeah bubble up would have kept a ball yes yeah that's that's the that's the altiverse that uh yeah. that we're having a bubble nothing in no shade to the other families but you know we loved bubble up yeah, yeah. rest in peace yeah everybody needs a bubble up <laughs> <laughs> okay okay do you have a random question um i'm hoping the ceiling will give me an answer um, you don't want to look at Cat Mermaid or Frida Catlo. My, I do my niece and nephew and... make me cat art. <laughs> Our niece draws us stuff and it all ends up on the fridge. I, as a rule, don't throw out things that kids uh, give you. Mm. What was your favorite Disney movie when you were little? Well, for a long time, it was The Lion King because I was an, an animal kid. Yeah. The, the most depressing, sad Hamlet. Yeah. Hamlet. Um, no, and I really like Nala. She was my fave. Of course. What was yours? Um, I loved Aladdin. I I used to. My move, sister had a crush on Aladdin. I moved the bat. Steve from Full House. Oh, voiced him. I mean, this fair, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. So I used to move. I had a Jasmine costume. Me too. A fake stomach. The fake stomach. I think I just. I think mine was like Jasmine pajamas or something, and I wore it as a costume. I oh, I had the costume with the jewel and everything. Yeah, and I would move the bath mat onto the. I was also Meg one year for Halloween. I'm Hercules. jealous. Yeah, she was my favorite one. That movie. I love that's probably my favorite Disney movie is Hercules. 
Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. And that's probably what spawned my love of um, Greek mythology. We learned an inordinate amount that in the public school system. Yes. <laughs> Greek, I'm Greek and Egyptian. I know. I'm like, why do I need to know this? Can't do my taxes, but, you know. And medieval <laughs> history, too. Yeah. Really. And we, I remember we had, like, medieval day, and we had to, like, cook medieval food and play medieval games. Yeah, because so one of them was, like, catch the pig bladder, but it was just a full water bullet. Oh, I don't like, like who that. Would do that? I, would I don't like that. Cook medieval food because medieval culture was known for their freaking cuisine. Are you yeah, kidding exactly. me? <laughs> I don't get that. Spices? What are those? I don't get medieval times. The place where you go and you can watch oh, the horses. Oh, I thought you meant like the entire medieval era. You're like, I don't understand why that happened. <laughs> no, I'm talking the like experience restaurant where they, they have those stuff. Yeah, I feel like there's not really a audience for it anymore. No, there's not. Yeah, and you eat like chicken with your bare hands. Which, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it at home in my pajamas. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to be doing. Probably that. go there in your pajamas. I think anyone would care. You can go anywhere in your pajamas. It's <laughs> dry hard enough. I've done the legwork. So, um, if you find a, ch- if you find your long lost twin or triplet, like resist the urge to do like this shit. The weird shit. The weird. But shit. if you find your doppelganger kill them before they kill you <laughs> any curly haired people out there you better hide if you see this one coming wait are we doppelganger well we people accuse us of looking alike and sounding alike yeah sounding alike for sure we sound like we, we look like we could be cousins yeah we could be related we don't look like siblings no no but my sister and i don't really look like siblings people say i think we do i think you do you look i think you guys look alike i don't i think i'm adopted and my twin is out there somewhere. <laughs> Karen, you have some explaining to do. I didn't know. <laughs> so you can join our Patreon now and you get to see our faces if you do that for $3 a month. And you get that unedited and early before the podcast episode releases. Clover has some input. Bless she has you. some things to add. You can find us on Instagram. And biopsychos. Biopsychos. Biopsych pod. Okay, Biopsych. I'm sorry, your cat. Um, <laughs> you want to be in like frame clove? Um, at Biopsych pod, and you can find us on Facebook at Biopsychosocial. A podcast. A podcast. But you knew that. You knew that. You knew it was a podcast. You know, leave us clovers. If you if you were a Patreon member, you would see Clover right now. My cat. Yeah. But uh, you know, leave us a review if you liked this. If you if you don't want to, that's fine. That's fine, Clover. Not your pot. This isn't a fans. You can't only. see it. Fans only. It's only fans. Not from this planet. All right, I have to teach some things to Jordan. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.